Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Hello listeners, it's Trish Hammond here from Transmoon Bodies and today I am joined by the delightful Dr. Drew Cronin. So I'm really excited to be talking with him today because um, I met Dr. Cronin a few years ago when he was in Brisbane and now he's come back home to the Gold Coast and um, he's not that far away. So welcome Dr. Cronin. Thanks Trish, thanks for having me on. Pleasure, thank you so much for being here. So so today I thought we'd talk about, um, you do a lot of post weight loss surgery sorry post weight loss yeah surgery for people who have lost weight don't you that's right so um so i guess you'd call it body contouring uh post bariatric surgery so uh a lot of patients that uh, were previously uh very overweight that have maybe gone and seen a bariatric surgeon uh, and had an operation that's led to you know loss of a huge amount of weight um a lot of those patients afterwards sort of find that they're encumbered with a lot of uh, excess skin uh, and skin rolls that they can't sort of treat any other way uh, apart from surgical excision. Yeah, and, you know, it's really interesting. I actually know someone who lost 100 kilos without surgery. So you don't even have to have had surgery. You just, you know, need to be someone who's actually, you know, lost weight to be, you know, to be able to have that surgery. Is that right? If you've got loose skin basically from, from weight loss, you can have weight loss skin removal surgery that's right so i had a patient uh two weeks ago and she you know very similar to your friend um she lost about 80 kilos just through diet and exercise uh and you know there's nothing in the uh you know in the medicare item numbers for these procedures that says that you have to have undergone you know a weight loss procedure in order to lose that weight so we do see patients that um just through diet and exercise uh and a lot of self-control uh, have managed to lose, you know, significant amounts of weight. Um, but obviously there's been a bit of an explosion in the number of patients that we've seen now because the number of people that are undergoing these bariatric surgery procedures uh, has really ballooned in the last sort of five to 10 years. Yeah, and it's really funny because like years ago, it was it was a really big deal. I can remember my mum being really scared, you know, like, no, 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 never want that. But these days, it's actually saved so many people's lives, you know, just, just for the fact that, you know, if you if you are like, you know, 50, 60, 70 kilos overweight, like it is really hard to lose weight. Like weight loss is just like it's food is the hardest addiction of the lot, I reckon. And if you can... Um, absolutely. Yeah. And, and look, uh, you know, the reason that so many people are having uh, this type of surgery done uh, is because it's been so effective, you know, and, and you know, the, the most effective way of long-term weight change. Uh, and obviously, you know, it's, it's for the ongoing health of these patients as well, their risk of, you know, diabetes and heart disease um, drops significantly. Uh, and for a lot of people, you know, they've been trying to lose weight themselves for decades um, and they might have been successful in the short term, but often, you know, the weight comes back on uh, and for, you know, most of these patients, it's a, a, a relatively um, simple and straightforward procedure that they have. Uh, and then over the course of the next 18 months, you know, they lose all of the excess weight that they've been carrying around for their entire lives. So it really is a life-changing procedure for those patients. It's so true. Now, I've got my own little story. My mother was someone who should have had the surgery and, and she never actually did. And then over time all these different illnesses happened and she passed away at a pretty young age which is 69 but if she had had the surgery lost weight they could have fixed her knees they could have fixed her stomach so so it is absolutely life-changing for sure 
And so I was going to actually ask you, so with the with the surgery, so because these, these women and men, they lose weight, do all that hard work, and then you think, oh, well, I've lost weight and that's it, but you're not, you're left with all this ex- excess skin. So what are the options for skin removal? Like what different types of, you know, procedures can people have to remove skin from different parts of their body? Well, um, there's a lot of different procedures involved. And, and um, Trish, often we see patients that come in and they say, look, I've lost all this weight. And when I jump on the scales, I feel great. Uh, when I look at myself in the mirror, though, I still feel fat. Um, and quite a lot of them come to see us for consideration of liposuction because they think that these rolls of skin that they have um, that are empty of fat um, is actually you know, still retained weight that they've got. Uh, and I'm often explaining to them, look, the problem here is that now you don't have enough fat. You know, you've, got, you've got the skin on your body to, to accommodate another 80 or 100 kilos and, and there's no fat behind it now. So it's all just dropping down. Um, and you know, everyone's different. And people put weight on in different areas, um, you know, just based on their genetics. Uh, so, you know, historically, we'd always talk about the tummy tuck. And, you know, the tummy tuck was great maybe for women that um, had had a few pregnancies and had a bit of, you know, stretched skin on the front of their abdomen. Um, but patients that have been 180 kilos and then drop down to, you know, 80 or 90 kilos, um, they have weight excess all over their bodies. And so we've really had to kind of um, change our algorithm with regards to addressing all of that excess skin. It's not just a case of, you know, doing a tummy tuck on these patients anymore. So um, the procedures that target different areas can really range from something, you know, simple like a tummy tuck, if that's the only area that was affected. Um, most of my massive weight loss patients um, actually need a circumferential body lift, um, which some people would call a belt lipectomy. Um, and that's essentially like uh continuing a tummy tuck all the way around the back um, and it's really good in that it can it can fix the problems on the front but it can also help with uh, lifting the glutes uh, and increasing gluteal definition getting rid of the saddlebags on the side and the love handles on the side uh, and so that's probably the most common you know first procedure that I do on patients that have that have really lost you know huge amounts of weight or sometimes up to 50 percent of their total body weight um, some of these patients will have problems in uh, their arms or their thighs as well. Uh, and so for those patients, you know, a thigh reduction um, or an arm reduction uh, and new sort of procedures that, again, they're becoming, you know, much more prevalent uh, as we see more of these patients that have undergone uh, bariatric surgery. Uh, and then, you know, some, of, some patients might even have uh, excess skin on their upper back, which is difficult to do with a, a body lift. Uh, so there's a, a back bra lift procedure where we can remove some of that excess skin from the upper back as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, when you lose weight everywhere, you lose weight on your breasts and on your face as well. Uh, and so many patients might need a, a mastopexy or a breast lift um, or if they've still got excess breast tissue, you know, still uh, have a breast reduction, which sort of uh, has a breast lift component to it as well. Uh, and sometimes um, patients just present saying, look, I just, now that I've lost all this weight, I feel like I look a bit older in my face because, you know, all that youthful fat that I had in my face is now gone. Uh, and they, they just want a facelift, a facelift or a face and neck lift. So, you know, there's really a huge um, number of procedures that uh, patients uh, may want or need. And, and when you speak to these patients, it's really a case of saying, okay, well, what areas do you have that bother you? Uh, and trying to tailor um, you know, a surgical treatment for them, you know, based on, on what it is that bothers them the most. Yeah. And 
would you do like because actually we'll start with one at a time so with the circumferential body lift like that is relatively new isn't it or has it been around for longer than what i think it's it's been around for a while um and i think um you know that there are uh there's sort of a spectrum of abdominoplasty um you know, that we used to do a lot more fleur-de-lis abdominoplasties as well for people that had a lot of excess skin uh sort of in the central component of their abdomen um, but again, because of the number of patients that come through now after having lost that amount of weight, we, we are seeing a lot more body lifts compared to the number of abdominoplasties that we do. Yeah. Um, I think um, I, I probably do um, at least one body lift uh, per abdominoplasty that I do these days um, because so many more of our patients are now coming to us after having lost huge amounts of weight. And it in a way, because um, like I, I've never had a body lift. I've, I've had a lot of things, but not, well, not a lot, but I've, but I've never had a body lift. But it's really funny that you should say that because the things that bother me now that I've had a tummy tuck and all that are the stuff at the back, like, you know, the, the, the you know, the, the wobbly bits, because you know, of course I've, I've, I've lost a heap of weight. So I've lost like 50 kilos, but it's those things at the back that you don't get to see. So it kind of does it all in one go. I guess the body lift, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And oh, look, I see a lot of patients that say that as well, you know, that they lost um, a large amount of weight and then they went and saw someone and had a tummy tuck. Uh, and, and the limitations of it are that it really just addresses the front. Uh, and, and now that the front has been fixed, you know, the sides and the back become more apparent. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I do quite a few sort of completion uh, body lifts where the front is already done and, and all I'm doing is lifting the sides and the back to address that. Ah, so someone could have had a tummy tuck and then they can come to you and you can do the back and the sides and kind of smooth out that, um, the rest of that. Um... Yeah, yeah, they, okay. they can. So, um, so, you know, that, that is an option um, for those patients that, you know, maybe needed to have a belt lipectomy or a body lift to begin with. Um, but for whatever reason, um, you know, sometimes it's patient preference as well. Um, they thought that all they needed was a tummy tuck or that's all they wanted at the time. So mm-hmm. that's certainly something that you can do as well. Yeah, right. And so tell me, on, on the, the um, body lift, is that a longer recovery than something like, say, a tummy tuck? It is. So it's a, it's a bigger procedure. I, I'd say to patients that it's, it's like two procedures. Um, most of my patients will be in theatre for somewhere up to around six hours. Uh, I tell them all to expect that they'll spend a week in hospital afterwards. Um, they'll have sort of four large drains in. Uh, and hopefully, uh, well, typically by the end of that week, all four of those drains will be removed. Um, and then it's really a six-week recovery from a procedure like that. Um, lots of patients that have lost heaps of weight and enjoy um, their, you know, newfound ability to exercise and be active. Um, and, you know, they have to be told, look, for six weeks, you can't go back to CrossFit. You can't do F45. You can't really do anything um, too strenuous in the gym. Um, and for some people that have... Um, uh, you know, physical jobs as well. Um, I tell them that they're going to need to take um, anywhere up to six weeks off work. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense because it's um, like, like I have actually seen the procedure and it's like it is, it's a big deal. It's not like, you know, something to be taken lightly. It's, um, you know, it's a whole, it's like cutting a little tree, like a cutting a ring from a tree virtually, isn't it? Like ring, like ring barking a person. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah sort of. Exactly. Um, and, and, uh, and obviously, you know, it's the sort of procedure that I say to patients, the biggest procedure that you'll probably have in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because I think sometimes people have 
they've, they've had the operation to lose the weight, uh, you know, and that might have taken an hour and, and they were in hospital overnight. Um, and then to explain to them, well, now that you've lost all that weight, the body contouring component is actually significantly larger than what you've had to go through to lose all this weight in the first place. Mm. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a long procedure. It's a long recovery. Um, and when you've got the patient in there, obviously you want to get the best result that you can. So it's also not the sort of thing that you rush. Um, and, uh, and you make sure that you're happy with the amount of skin tightening and skin removal that you've been able to do. Um, so, you know, six hours is a reasonable amount of time um, to put aside for that kind of operation. Yeah, that, that's so true. And the thing is, like, they work, you work, I actually think, sorry, I actually think that the skin removal surgery is even more rewarding than the weight loss because for the simple reason that once you've been, you know, overweight for a lot or, you know, for, for most of your life or however long it's been, you never think that you can actually look, you know, quote, quote, normal, again but with surgery like you you can you can look normal even without clothes and and with clothes because usually if you've lost weight you've got that skin like like all you guys that have had this surgery you know already you're tucking everything in you're tucking the skin and you're tucking the skin into your undies you're tucking you know the skin into your you know the excess skin from your boobs into your bra it's, it's just, everything's a constant tuck 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 <laughs> mm. but um once you've had the skin removal um surgery you, you don't have to tuck anymore <laughs> Oh, it, it is. It's, it is life-changing for a lot of patients. Um, and I think a lot, of, a lot of patients feel great for having lost all the weight, um, but still feel uncomfortable in their clothes and still feel uncomfortable when they go out. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I saw a patient a couple of weeks ago, but when I saw her in her initial consult, you know, preoperatively, uh, and I was showing her where, where we make the markings and, and where we try and leave the scars, I always say, well, imagine if, you know, the scar is very low at the front and it comes up a little bit to go over the top of the, you know, the gluteals uh, at the back. And, and I always say, just imagine you're wearing a string bikini. You know, I want the scar to be hidden in that string bikini. And the patient, the patients always say, oh, there's no way that I'm ever going to be wearing a string bikini. Um, but I saw a patient a couple of weeks ago that was post-op and she came back in um, for her post-op review sort of, but she was six weeks post-op at that stage. Um, and she, um, for her post-op photos, um, had brought along a string bikini. Oh, so, I love it. Uh, yeah, so, she, so she felt great. And, um, and that's one of the things that I really like about this type of surgery as well, because obviously there's a, there's a cosmetic element to it in that you're trying to get the best um, cosmetic outcome for your patient. Um, but it's also quite reconstructive uh, in that you're trying to create a, a normal body um, from someone who, you know, is just inundated with far too much skin. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and these patients, you know, they've lived a life where they've been really large uh, and then they've made a really, a really positive decision to do something to fix that, you know, for all of the health reasons that go along with it. Um, and then if they've been disappointed with their appearance afterwards, after all that, you know, all that weight is lost, um, to be able to give them back something that, you know, that's normal when they've, they haven't had that before, you know, um, the, the vast majority of them are really happy with their results and they're really appreciative of what you've done um, and they're really happy uh, people to work with. Um, and so I really like the patient cohort of, you know, those body contouring cases as well um, yeah. because they're, you know, they're normal everyday people who have a significant issue um, that you can really improve um, you know, in, in those operations and they have those operations, the excess skin is gone. They're essentially cured of that for life. Uh, and they go on to lead, you know, normal, happy lives. Um, yeah. And that's very rewarding from my point of view as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and even um, on that point as well, it, it's sort of like it is really rewarding. It must be really rewarding for you too to see, you know, you know, see the work that you've done for a start and how much someone appreciates it. But also, like you said, it is a community within itself, the, the massive weight loss patient, because they are really appreciative and, you know, they sort of, well, well like myself, I would never, ever have expected that I would be able to have, um, you know, a... a semi-normal looking body you know like if I didn't tell people that I'd had surgery they wouldn't even know that I you know had a tummy tuck or or whatever because you just look normal yeah yeah and it's great to see um you know the 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 massive weight loss community is very active online and and there's a lot of support um and that's a you know that's a really positive thing uh, amongst those patients as well um and uh you know some of the some of the patients that I've operated on that you know, started following me on social media. And so I sort of follow them on social media as well. Like, it's amazing to see, you know, from where they started to where they end up when they've finished with their, you know, their body contouring plastic surgery afterwards. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and they are very active. So things, you know, they crop up on your feed all the time of people, you know, talking about their two-year anniversary or their three-year anniversary from their, you know, their initial um, sleeve gastrectomy or, or, or gastric bypass, you know, and looking how they look now. Um, and you can see those huge changes in them and they're so happy. Um, and, um, and there's a lot of support from other people that are currently going through, you know, that process themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think they call it like a sleeveversary. <laughs> a sleeveversary, that's yeah. right. Yeah, anniversary yeah. of the sleeve, yeah. 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 yeah, no, awesome. So, all right, so we talk, we've talked body lifts. So let's um, move down a bit. So you can also do a thigh lift as well, hey? That's right. Yep. So, do you want so, to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, um, the, the problem with the thigh area uh, is that you know you get this sort of circumferential excess of tissue that then disappears, uh, and for people who have never been really large, um, you know, there, there's a, a thigh lift that you can do um, where you're essentially taking out a, a horizontal. Uh, excision of skin and, and tucking the thigh lift up, um, and uh, and that's great in that the sc- the scar is kind of concealed and it's and it's nicely hidden away. Um, for patients that have lost a large amount of weight, um, they've got excess skin that goes all the way down to the the inside of the knee, uh, mm-hmm. and so similar to you know, can I have a tummy tuck or do I need a body lift? Um, often have that discussion with patients about, you know, can they have a, a horizontal skin excision or do they need a vertical skin excision? Uh, and for the patients that have lost a huge amount of weight, they, they really need to have that vertical skin excision um, that sort of travels all the way down to the knee. Uh, and sometimes a combination of the two, you know, an, an excision of you know, a T-shaped excision of skin from the inside of the thigh um, to remove not only the, you know, the vertical skin excess, but that circumferential skin excess that they have. Um, and I mean, the good thing about a belt lipectomy is that it, it addresses the lateral aspect of the thigh as well. It kind of lifts everything up from the side. Um, but the thigh lift is really the only procedure that addresses that, that medial excess skin. Um, sometimes on the thighs, it's one of those areas where patients can still hold a little bit of their excess weight as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And so typically, like I would couple a thigh reduction with some liposuction to the thigh as well. Um, it makes the, uh, the actual skin excision part of it um, safer uh, and a bit easier, um, but it also um, helps remove some of the excess weight that might otherwise be, you know, in the other areas of the thigh. 
um, and, um, and help with, um, you know, with the skin sort of um, tacking down afterwards as well. Um, so that's a procedure that um, commonly I'd be doing after doing the, uh, the body lift. Um, it can be done with a body lift in the same procedure if it's just those two areas that uh, patients have, is, uh, if, uh, have issues with. But often I'm sort of doing the thighs and the arms, you know, as a second operation down the track. Um, it's, uh, it's a good procedure. It, it um, you know, functionally it's very good. Sometimes it leads, it's one of those areas that's kind of prone to, you know, difficult scars. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so it requires a lot of uh, post-operative nursing care and a bit of TLC to sort of make sure that those scars are as, uh, as you know, nice as you can make them essentially and heal as mm -hmm. well as they possibly can. Because yeah. whilst, you can, whilst you can avoid um, doing heavy exercise and, and bending and, you know, um, those kinds of actions to uh, make sure that your belt lipectomy scars aren't put under any tension, it's really difficult to sell someone they've got to keep their legs up for six weeks until everything's mm -hmm. healed. Um, mm -hmm. And so you just have to, you have to work within what people, you know, can accommodate in their lifestyles and their work. Yeah, of course. You know, and I was going to ask you about whether you do lipo. So if you were to do a thigh lift on someone, you'd want to, if they need, if they you'd do lipo to kind of make sure there was more skin. With that. Is that right? Is that what you were saying? So you try, yeah, because I'm trying to tighten up as much circumferential skin as I can. The more volume that I can take out of the other areas of the thigh, the more you can kind of pull that skin over. Mm -hmm. um, and also when you're, when you're removing skin and subcutaneous fat from the inside of the thigh, you want to avoid damaging the lymphatics on the inside of the thigh as much as possible. Um, and liposuction, um, using liposuction as an adjunct means that once you've come through the skin, you can kind of peel away that, that tissue uh, without disrupting the lymphatics as much. So, you know, if you, to avoid the complication of having issues with lymphatic drainage and, or lymphedema in the leg afterwards, you know, liposuction has been shown to be really effective at making sure that they're sort of spared during that procedure um, and you minimise your risks of those complications. And would you do, because you're talking about the arms and the thighs, so is that something that you would do together? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, oh. um, so for, you know, your standard patient that has maybe lost, say, 100 kilos and then comes to see you, um, I say to them, look, doing, doing the body lift uh, part, uh, in the first procedure, um, that's the that's the big life changing thing. You know, if you ask most patients what bothers them and, and in what order, they'd say, "Well, it's the overhang of the the tummy and you know the sides." And then after that, you know, it might be their thighs or their arms. And so I say, "All right, well, we we address the big one first, um, and that's that's a big enough operation and recovery. The recovery from the thighs and the arms usually just need to stay in hospital overnight. Um, sometimes it can even be done as a day procedure. So it's the sort of thing you say, okay, well, once, once you've recovered from your big operation, you know, maybe three months down the track, um, uh, we can, you know, get you back to see me and we can talk about doing the arms and thighs in the second operation. Mm -hmm. That sounds like, yeah, that, that sounds like, like an intelligent way to go about it because <laughs> like you never know, like, because I think, um, you know, I think it would be, I mean, I, I've never had it, but I definitely want my arms and thighs done at some point. I may, I, may, I may never have it done, but it kind of makes sense that they would go together. But on that, like you're saying like one night in hospital, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So if a patient um, came and saw me and said, oh, I just, I just did my arms done, 
that's something that you know reasonably you can do as a day procedure um, and you wouldn't need drains in the arms afterwards uh, with the thighs because I combine it with the liposuction and, and there's more dissection in that area um, I would put a drain in and then leave the patient in overnight with the drains in uh, and usually the next morning if there's nothing out of the drains um, the drains can come out and they can go home I mean they're obviously on you know, reasonably strict instructions not to do anything um, too much at home for that first week or so. Um, but it's not a procedure that is, you know, particularly painful or where there's lots of drain outputs or where they, they don't feel like they could go home afterwards. Um, and, um, you know, like you would if you had a, a body lift, you, you really wouldn't feel up to going home at day one. Um, but the, the thighs and arms, the, the patients don't seem to have you know, lots of issues with post-operative pain and, and most people are well enough to go home at day one with their drains out. That's amazing. You know, you're absolutely right because I have very rarely heard of um, anything, you know, anything, you know, where someone's had an issue with um, the thighs or the, the arms. I just sometimes with the thigh, the t if there's a T-junction sometimes yep. on the scar, like that can be problem sometimes yep. but I've, I've like everyone that's had their arms done has been like oh my god the best thing ever and it makes such a difference just the arms even on their own like it's just amazing you go from looking like because you can't hide your arms you know you, you can hide them you can but you can't on the gold coast you know? <laughs> well that's true <laughs> it's 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 uh it's 30 degrees for six months of the year and um and feeling uncomfortable in anything other than a long sleeve shirt, um, you know, is is not compatible with uh, you know our, our our way of life uh, down here. Exactly. So um, so so yeah, lots of patients. It, it, it's funny. Often, um, you know, my my female patients um, that have lost a huge amount of weight. Uh, and come and see me, you know, their, their order of issues is probably the tummy and then the arms. Um, whereas for the guys, you know, a lot of them get into the gym and they kind of build up their, you know, upper body muscle as well. Uh, and so when they come to see me, I find that the arms is, is less of an issue for a lot of the guys. Um, but, um, but you, you, you're right. You break your plasty patients. They're really happy patients because mm. they just didn't feel like they could, you know, go out in public uh, without trying to cover their arms up. Um, and then they have one operation that's that's relatively simple, um, and the recovery is really quick, um, and they they instantly feel like new people. Yeah. All right. So done the arms, done the tummy, done done the um, the thighs. So tell mm -hmm. us about the boobs. Tell us about the the. I guess it would be some people may have just a breast lift, or because a breast reduction is a breast. Breast reduction is really a breast lift, hey, except with the reduction, you take out a bit more tissue. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and um, for for patients to have a uh, a breast reduction, and I guess it it comes down to the um, you know your, your Medicare definition of that as well. So um, patients that have lost a lot of weight but are still encumbered with large breasts, and often at that stage, you know, really large pendulous breasts um, that have problems with you know rashes and skin breakdown and intertrigo. Um, back pain or neck pain, um, and it, and they're sort of still unable to you know do their normal activities of daily living. Um, you know they're really good candidates for a breast reduction. So you're removing all of the excess skin of the breast, uh, and also as much of the excess weight and breast tissue uh, that you can. Um, and when you've removed both of those and everything is sort of put back in place and the nipple is lifted back into the normal position, you've got 
um, a lifted breast that has had all of the excess weight taken out of it. Um, now, a lot of patients after they've lost lots of weight, they've lost a lot of weight from their breasts as well. Um, and so they may not have the problems with back and neck pain. Um, and really it's just that, you know, they now feel deflated and they're kind of folding their breast into their bra and that they might be wearing a, a double D or an E cup, but you know, it's almost like it's a bucket that they're trying to hold all of that skin in. Um, and those patients might, um, might not have much breast tissue that they need to remove. And so in that case, you're really taking out all of the excess skin on that breast and then resuspending the breast tissue up onto the, up on the chest wall or up on the breast plate where it should be sitting and then holding that breast tissue in position with the skin that you've tightened. Um, and usually, um, you know, a few maneuvers to keep the breast tissue in position as well. Um, so, you know, in a breast, I guess the, the main difference is that in both of those procedures, you get a lift. Um, but if you've got excess breast tissue, you can excise that out at the same time and then it becomes a reduction. Um, but for most patients, um, it's just a case of excess skin. And so you're just performing a breast lift for them. And I guess some people may choose to have implants. That's right. So um, for patients that are, uh, are happy with the amount of breast tissue they've, they've got, then it's just a lift. And for patients that have too much, then it's a breast reduction. And for patients that don't have enough and have way too much skin, then it's a breast lift with an implant behind it or an augmentation mastopexy. Mm -hmm. Do you do any um, fat transfer at all? Uh, I do. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I've had, um, you know, most of your massive weight loss patients will still have some pockets where they've got, um, you know, some excess fat as well. Um, Typically, as part of a, a belt lipectomy, um, I liposuck, you know, the lateral thighs um, as part of that to help kind of get the tissues to move up. Uh, and so in some patients, they've opted to have that fat kind of purified and then re-injected um, sometimes into the breast, sometimes into the backside to get a little bit more um, projection of the gluteal area as well. Um, I had a patient earlier this year that um, she had, the combination of a, a tuberous breast deformity uh, and she had undergone massive weight loss after her bariatric surgery. Um, so she had a, a belt lipectomy and, and a breast lift. Uh, and then I fat grafted about um, you know, 300 cc's of fat, um, you know, slightly more on the more affected side, um, you know, in order to give her a little bit of extra breast volume as well, because she didn't want to have breast implants um, at the same procedure. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I reckon that that's like that one's really appealing. Even if someone has a um, a lift, like yeah, just for that little bit. I don't know. I guess just for a bit of a fill out in the spots that it might yeah. need it, but that's, and that's the right. extra lipo. <laughs> and well, you, you you're taking you're taking something from somewhere where you don't want to have it, and you're putting it somewhere where you do want to have it. So you're sort of killing two birds with one stone in that procedure. Exactly. Um, and. Um, and, and again, you know, for those, for those patients that, um, that have always felt uncomfortable about their appearance and how they look, to be able to do one procedure like that, I mean, this girl was in her early 20s, to be able to do that in one procedure for her and see the difference afterwards, um, mm -hmm. you know, she was so happy with the change in um, her entire aesthetic, really, you know, she felt, you know, so much more comfortable after that procedure. Um, and oh, yeah. it was, um, that was, it was, it was a really satisfying operation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and tell me, tell me about the face, because I do get that question quite a lot, you know, like, I, like my, 
um, well, I am that person as well. Like, you know, the more weight I lose, because now I'm trying to lose a bit more weight, so because I put a bit on, the more weight I lose, the gobblier my neck gets. So yep. so tell me what you do for that. So, look, similar to yourself, Trish, a lot of patients come in and say, oh, look, I, I think it's just my neck, and, and they think that it's just a neck lift that they need, um, but they also have a little bit of jowling and they have a little bit of marionette lines, um, you know, around the mouth. And, um, and for those patients, really, you know, a full face and neck lift um, is the best way to address that. Um, loss of fat in the face and loss of volume in the face um, is one of those things that contributes to aging, the aging of the face. Um, descent of the soft tissues is another. And then, of course, the surface uh, quality of the skin uh, itself. And so, um, you know, for some of those things, um, you know, we've got laser and microdermabrasion and those kinds of things to improve uh, the texture of the skin and the quality of the skin. Um, there's obviously fillers that are available for trying to revolumize the face. Um, but the only really successful procedure for resuspension of the face um, is a face and neck lift. And, and often I'll see patients that think, oh, look, it's, it's just the neck that I want to dress. And I have in the past just just done the neck um, but um, but I was a bit disappointed with you know the results of that I think that um, you know the full face and neck lift is what gives the best result um, and that that sort of resuspends everything up you can uh, you can remove all of that excess skin uh, from the neck as well um, and and when all those tissues you know similar to a breast when all those tissues are put back up in the position that they're supposed to be sitting in it goes a long way to help with the volume uh, or the apparent volume uh, deficit that they had in the face as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, on what you've just said, uh, like even when people ask me nowadays, I just pretty much say there's pretty much no such thing as a neck lift on its own because it just doesn't, you know, like it's never just the neck really, like what no, you said. That's right. It's always, you know, it, it goes it's, further. Yeah. It's, it's all in continuity. Uh, and if, you, if you're just pulling the neck and then stopping there, any, any descent that you've got in the tissues in the face will become so much more apparent because it's like you're lifting everything underneath that up and it, it sort of the overhang becomes more obvious. Um, so it's really, you know, lifting everything up uh, as one um, and then removing all of that excess skin from the sides. Yeah. And is that a procedure you would do on its own or would you do that in conjunction with something else? Well, a full face and neck lift, you're looking at around five hours, you know, theatre time. So mm -hmm. you have to be careful what you try and um, yeah. combine that procedure with. Um, certainly, um, you know, doing something like an upper lid blepharoplasty in the same procedure, I think, you know, complements that procedure um, mm -hmm. well, um, you know, in the right patient. Um, but I, I personally wouldn't combine, you know, a circumferential lipectomy you know, into a facelift as well, um, because then you're looking at, you know, really long surgical times. Um, and I think for, for something that is really of, you know, cosmetic in nature, that it's probably, you know, it's not worth the risk of having someone on the table for that period of time. Um, so, you know, if, if I had a patient that needed, you know, everything done, uh, circumferential lipectomy, you know, arms, thighs, um, face, neck, then I'd be, you know, seriously speaking to them about saying, okay, well, let's prioritise which of these areas uh, are the biggest problem for you um, and let's address them in that order. But let's stage this over a few procedures um, so that it's safer for you to have this done, you know, uh, instead of trying to do it all in one. Um, 
There's also, you know, for most of our um, massive uh, weight loss patients, um, they're, they're pretty au fait with, um, you know, private health insurance and, and, and Medicare item numbers. And um, if you have a circumferential lipectomy, it, it's, it's very difficult to then use an item number for a lipectomy in a non-abdominal area like the arms or thighs. Um, and so, you know, often patients, you know, prefer because it, it works out better for them anyway to have them done in those stages so mm-hmm. that you're not trying to, you're not trying to put the, uh, you're not potentially putting the patient at risk by trying to get everything done in one 12 hour operation for them. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that freaks me out when I hear long operations like that because it's like a long time to be under. For, it just yeah, that kind of freaks me out a little bit when I hear the lot, the, you know, the twelve-hour procedure. It's like whoa. It is, and 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 you remember this has been done in an operating theatre that's at, you know set at twenty-two degrees, and you've got you know large parts of your body exposed and you know prepped um, with uh, you know betadine. Um, and and your your body temperature can drop so much, and you spend so much time with um, you know those big incisions and those big areas being dissected, and everything sort of open. You know you put your patients at risk, I think, of having problems with bleeding and clotting afterwards, because if you've got them in theatre with everything exposed and open for that period of time, you know their their core body temperature can drop down, you know, to thirty five degrees, thirty four degrees, um, and then you're going to have real problems with post operative hematoma, wound healing, obviously infections, um, and I think it's it's not worth uh, taking on all those extra risks in order to get something done in one go, you know, just out of convenience. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you one hundred percent on that one. There it just makes that just makes sense, you know, just just keep safe, and so. Exactly. Is that the whole gamut of weight weight loss skin removal surgery? There there are there are a couple of other little procedures. Um, with a belt lipectomy, I, I explain to patients that at the back you're really trying to lift everything up. You've got all of this descent um, of the buttocks and of the skin, uh, and the skin is uh, on the back. You know, it's very uh, very firmly adherent, so you, you don't you don't often have a lot of ex- loose excess skin on the upper back and, and the dissection um, superiorly on the back, um, you know, is pretty minimal. On the back, you're lifting everything up. On the front, you're doing the opposite. You're, you're undermining all the way up to the rib cage and you're grabbing all that excess skin and you're pulling it all the way down. Um, for patients that have been really large, even after a circumferential lipectomy, they might have on their back, you know, two or three rolls of skin. So they've got others that are, you know, up at their uh, shoulder blades um, and they feel really comfortable when they're wearing a bra and they've got skin that overhangs the back or the sides of their bra as well. Um, And so there's another procedure that... Oh, I've just lost you. you Oh, uh, sorry. Patients? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just lost you for a second there. You've got your back. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay um what did we get up to so oh, I, you I, said I, there's I, an, I, I, another procedure that you're talking about that the I, that, that's right that we, that we do you know reasonably commonly called a back bra lift um and so after a patient has had um their body lift or, or sometimes on patients that opted only to have a tummy um done if they've got uh, excess skin that sort of hangs over the folds of their bra and often comes out into the axilla as well it hasn't really been addressed by the belt lipectomy or by the breast reduction or the mastopexy. Um, and so it's, it's a, an excision of skin and subcutaneous fat 
um, on the upper on the upper back. Uh, and the reason that we call it the back bra lift is because you know, that's the line that you put the scar in. And if you were to um, extend it all the way onto the front, it would go into the same line as you have, you know, at the bottom of a wise pattern uh, scar for a mastopexy. You're mm. really trying to keep that same as, as you would for, you know, your undergarments for the scar for your belt lipectomy. You're trying to keep that scar on the upper body, you know, in the same line that someone would have um, you know, their bra strap sitting along. Um, and, um, and that's a really effective operation at getting rid of those uncomfortable rolls of skin on the upper back and around the sides um, that aren't really well addressed by the other procedures that we do. So, um, so we, we do see that procedure, you know, becoming, you know, more commonly uh, done um, over the last few years as well. Um, and typically that's just a, a straight horizontal scar. It's a scar that is really well tolerated. Um, it heals very well. It's very, um, very rare for it to become stretched or unsightly. Um, and um, whilst mostly it's just the single horizontal scar, um, sometimes that procedure has been done with a little vertical extension that comes up towards your brachioplasty scar as well. Um, so, you know, that that's one of those procedures that you're usually talking about doing, you know, at the end of this journey with the patients when they've addressed all the really big areas first and you're, you're really doing some, some smaller touch-ups um, just to put the... Um, the finishing touches on if you like yeah I, I love the sound of that one because this for myself there's nothing worse than those big freaking fat rolls that hang down the back because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're just always there you know if you want to wear a bra that's going to you know sit properly you're always going to have those little sausage rolls underneath so um yeah i, yeah. I wish and someone but, had told me about that when i was having my surgery particularly if uh you know often when i've got patients in their post-op garments and they've got this big wide back along them and and and, and wide around the front you don't notice them so much and then um, when patients come back in with their normal bra or if they go to the beach you know they notice that there's all that skin that sort of hangs over the top there as well um and again it's one of those areas that no matter how much you go to the gym or exercise or what you get your weight down to that skin just doesn't disappear um, and, uh, and, and the only way to remove it is, is to, you know, cut it out and stitch it back up, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, like it is, it is one of the most annoying parts of the whole, out of the whole lot, really. It's not something that a lot of people even know that can actually be done. So it's just an excision just under, and it's called the, the back bra lift. The back, back, back bra. bra lift. Yeah. yeah. Because you, that that's the line that you're leaving the scar in, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah. So it is becoming more um, commonly requested now, um, mm -hmm. as uh, as we've sort of, you know, addressed all of the, you know, the big ticket areas that have annoyed people in the past, um, and uh, you know, often because people have had, you know, really good outcomes and been happy with, you know, the other the other areas that have been addressed, and there's just that one spot that still bothers them. Um, and that's, you know, often the last thing that you're doing for them. Yeah, totally. And look, before we go, because I know I've, I've kept you away from, you've probably got a client waiting for you, but just a really <laughs> quick one before you go. Tell me about scars. Like do, what, what do you do to help them with the, with the scars afterwards? Uh, so th remember the scars that we're talking about here mm -hmm. uh, are different to if you, you know, were to accidentally cut yourself or, or fall over and hit your forehead or something like that. Now, these scars are closed under tension. Uh, and so if, you, if they're not looked after for particularly for the first six weeks, but really up to the first 12 weeks afterwards, they have a tendency to want to pull apart um, because it's been held in really tightly to begin with. Um, 
probably the most important thing intraoperatively uh, is to make sure that you've got a lot of internal support on that scar line, um, that the majority of the tension has been held in the deeper tissues um, and not in the actual skin itself. Um, but there's, um, there's a few layers of quite strong um, uh, stitches. They are dissolving, but they last for around three months. Um, the other thing that, that I um, talk to patients about at length is that um, the taping that we do to scars afterwards is designed to provide them with a structural support. So in the same way as if you've got a torn ligament in your ankle, but if you tape it up, you can still run around on it because the tape takes all of the strain. Um, I tape the, the scars on a body lift um, with sort of something that's 10 centimetres wide. And the idea is that if you've got the tape on one side of the scar and on the other side of the scar, that the whole scar moves around as a block and it doesn't have the opportunity to kind of get pulled in opposite directions. So that's the most important thing. And all patients will have that for a minimum of six weeks. Um, most people are trying to push out to about the 12 week mark, uh, depending on how well they tolerate that. Um, once they get to that point, you know, the scar is going to be about 70% of its final strength. Um, and so I think massaging the scar at that point is probably the most important thing. Um, and sometimes people will go and, and buy a, a silicon-based product or a vitamin E-based product um, and, um, and massage that a couple of times a day to help break the scar down, um, make sure that, um, you know, any little contour deformities, um, any little slight uh, differences on the sides of the skin, anything like that are kind of ironed out. And, and I, I use the analogy that it's like, it's like ironing a shirt. I don't think you can go to the supermarket and buy anything that you can spray on a shirt that will iron it for you. Um, we all kind of know that innately that the benefit comes from what you do with your right hand, which is to iron all those little creases out. And I think it's the same with massaging. These patients have sometimes meters of scar on them. Um, and I say to them, look, if you're using um, Vaseline or Sorbeline or margarine, I don't mind. Um, as long as that whole scar length is being massaged out for five to 10 minutes a couple of times a day, you'll get a good result. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of products out there and I think for, you know, for small scars um, that there's probably some benefit in them as well. Um, but for the large scars that we have on our body contouring um, patients, it's the act of massage that's more important than any magical ingredient, you know, in what they're using uh, as a, a conduit between their thumb uh, and the scar. That's so helpful to even hear that because I've never actually know, like to me, I've always just thought scars were, you know, you put stuff on them, you have laser or whatever, but even just that massaging, you know, like I, I had no idea about that myself. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, you, you know, you want to, you want to support that scar and give it an opportunity for the, for the concrete to set, if you like, for the first, you know, six weeks to three months. Uh, and then after that point, I think, yeah, massage is the most important thing. Um, it's, it's very rare to have patients that have problems with scarring afterwards. You know, if people do have a uh, propensity towards, you know, a hypertrophic or, or keloid scar, um, then we would, we would change that, um, you know, treatment uh, to suit that. Um, so we might look at silicon tapes or we might talk about, you know, kenicord injections or, or laser to help break it up or something mm -hmm. like that. But mm -hmm. for the vast majority of patients, um, supporting that scar first 
and then massaging that scar afterwards and remembering that all scars will stay pink until they're 12 months old uh, and then they'll turn white, all right? We kind of forget that as adults. As kids, we just know this because we walk, we run around and bang our knees and have cuts on our legs and things all the time. We know that the old scars are the white ones and the pink ones are the new ones um, and that um, all of our childhood scars have turned white. Um, so just reminding patients that, you know, all scars will remain pink or slightly red, you know, that means that there's a blood supply going to the scar and that's because that collagen remodeling is actively occurring and continues to until the 12 month mark. And at that point, everything's finished, it's tools down, all the blood supply comes away and that's when the scar goes white. Um, and there's not a lot that you can do in the interim to stop that process. So yeah. it, it's, it's just reminding patients that that's how we heal. Yeah. Awesome. That's been so, so helpful. Like, like it's funny because, like, I talk to people all the time, but every time I, there's always something new to be learned. You can never know everything. Hey, it's just, um, yeah. It's uh, just absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you found it uh, educational. I did, I did. Thank you so much. <laughs> my pleasure. Awesome. Uh, and thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us. That's been amazing. And listeners, look, if you if you do want to find Dr. Drew, Drew Cronin, as I said before, he's at Gold Coast Plastic Surgery, which is up on the Gold Coast. Uh, you can Google him. You can send me an email to info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au if you want to find out any more. And we also have one of those support groups as well if you want to join on there as well. So thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Cronin. Thanks, Trish. We'll have an awesome rest of your day. Bye. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. The Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. For more information, visit plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or email info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.